Good morning for Tuesday, August 29, 2017. Audible presents the New York Times Audio Digest. Here's what's making news on the front page. From Houston, weary Texas braces for years of recovery. At shelters displaced, flee storm and reality. And Trump associate boasted an email of ties to Putin. In today's national headlines, as waters rise, the caregivers need help too. Scrutiny for architects of president's tax plan. And FDA cracks down on unscrupulous stem cell clinics. In today's business headlines, traders bet against fear in a market niche. Homeowners face billions in losses from flooding. And Gilead to buy kite, maker of cancer treatments. There will be more business stories, more national and world news, a roundup from the sports page, and New York Times columnist David Leonhardt. Now, as selected by the editors of the New York Times, these are the stories on today's front page. The top stories written from Houston. Weary Texas braces for years of recovery. As one of the most destructive storms in the nation's history pummeled southeast Texas for a fourth day, forecast on Monday called for still more rain, making clear that catastrophic flooding that had turned neighborhoods into lakes was just the start of a disaster that would take years to overcome. Local, state, and federal officials conceded that the scale of the crisis was so vast that they were nowhere near being able to measure it, much less fully address it. Across a region that is home to millions of people and includes Houston, the nation's fourth largest city, no one has a clear idea how many people are missing, how many evacuated, how many hunkered down, or were trapped in their waterlogged homes, or how many inundated houses and vehicles are beyond saving. It's one of the largest disasters America has ever seen, Governor Greg Abbott said, warning against expecting anything resembling recovery anytime soon. We need to recognize it will be a new normal, a new and different normal for this entire region. Local officials reported 10 deaths possibly related to this storm, six of them in Harris County, which includes Houston. But the painstaking and heartbreaking work of clearing streets, going door-to-door, assessing damage and finding victims has not yet begun. Scenes of people being rescued from the roofs and upper floors of houses revived memories of Hurricane Katrina in 2005, when early estimates understated both the material devastation and the death toll, and recovery efforts lasted years. The administrator of the Federal Emergency Management Agency, Brock Long, said on Monday that he expected more than 450,000 people to apply for federal assistance. We're going to be here for several years helping you guys recover, he said. For the time being, efforts are focused on the most basic elements of keeping people alive, plucking stranded survivors from the flood, providing shelter, food, and water, and restoring electricity to hundreds of thousands of people who were left without power. This is the second front-page story. At shelters displaced flee storm and reality. Written by Alan Blinder and Jack Healy from Houston. The rescued are almost always wet when they arrive, slick, shuffling, and staggering after hours in the rain. They're met with blankets and a security check, dry clothes and cots. And then there's a feeling of relief that, for the moment, they have left the floodwaters behind. In the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey, hundreds of Texans were wrapped in blankets in the George R. Brown Convention Center in Houston. They were sprawled on cots inside the gymnasium of the shuttered Abraham Kazin Middle School in San Antonio. 
Across a vast region, they were huddled inside churches, senior centers, and hotels. It's the first time I've lost everything, said 41-year-old Capua Cao, a home health care worker inside the Houston Convention Center. She was stressing the positive. I still have my life, my husband, she said. But the relief of being dry on land was mixed with concern over what was to come for many displaced Texans. At the San Antonio school, Michelle McGowan said she could live with the likelihood that her home was lost, but she was desperate to know one thing. Were Uncle John and Uncle Paul still alive? Stubborn and in frail health, the two men had decided to anchor down with dogs and each other in their coastal Texas town of Aransas Pass. She, her two sons, and their father boarded buses and fled inland ahead of the storm on Thursday, landing on cots in the gymnasium of the closed middle school that is now home to hundreds of evacuees who fled the soaking destruction of Hurricane Harvey. I'm terrified, McGowan said, as she sat on the concrete benches outside one of three emergency shelters in San Antonio that, as of Sunday night, were housing roughly a thousand evacuees. The last time she talked to her Uncle John, the hurricane was bearing down, and he had told her that the wind was stripping away the doors and windows of the mobile home where she homeschooled her sons. We live four feet below sea level, McGowan said. I know I don't have a house. Among the people who filled the shelter, there seemed to be few tears, even as they confronted the reality of all they had lost and considered the reckoning ahead. If I would have stayed in the house trying to protect everything, I wouldn't be here, said Teresha Phillips, 20, her voice swerving between softness and a matter-of-fact tone. I just let everything go. Next on the front page, Matt Apuzo and Maggie Haberman report from Washington. Trump associate boasted an email of ties to Putin.